Okay, guys, so it turns out that there is a tiny little microscopic thing that is named after the long-haired kind of kind of naive princess from Disney. Do you know what it is? Well, if you do not, just give me like five minutes and I will tell you. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another short stories of bacteria. It's I, your host, Dr. K. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Um, if you could, while you're here, if you could hit that follow button, that'd be awesome. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into this. Okay, so uh, let's discuss this bacterial world once again. And really is a bacterial world. It belongs to the bacteria. It doesn't really belong to us, really. Um, now, I think it's really easy to forget sometimes, and this kind of gets back to my point just a second ago, um, it's really easy to forget sometimes that bacteria, they are all over the place. Even if you hang out with bacteria as often as I have, and I have hung out with bacteria for quite a long time, as it turns out, um, sometimes you just forget just for a fraction of a second that bacteria are on everything that you touch. They are everywhere you go. They are all over the place. They are on this microphone. They are on the mouse that I have nearby. They are on the headphones that you're using if you're listening to this podcast using headphones. There's bacteria literally all over the place. They're all surrounding you. Um, Now, you can sterilize environments. You can sterilize pieces of equipment. You can even sterilize animals in some some rare instances. But in general, bacteria, they're they're everywhere. Um, Bacteria are so ubiquitous. They're so all over the place that sometimes you can find them in really, really extreme environments, places where there's no way that you or I could even survive. So bacteria can out-survive us in some of these really extreme environments. Um, there's one such type of bacteria called thermus thermophilus. So it's thermophilus, thermophilus. We'll call it thermus. I'll just call it thermus. So thermus is a bacteria that was initially identified in Japan, um, but it's unique in that it's not found in the normal type of places where we find bacteria. It's not found in the food that we eat. It's not found in doorknobs or pets or anything like that. This bacteria was found buried in a hydrothermal vent. Now, you may know this, but hydrothermal vents, those are basically just these big fissures in the earth um, that they're typically close to close to volcanoes. But from these cracks in the earth, you get this geothermically heated water, and it just gushes and gushes out, and it heats the surrounding area. Now, that doesn't seem too bad. It actually seems very pleasant for those of us who enjoy the occasional hot bath. But um, until you note the fact that this is coming in around at 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So thermos is kind of hanging out in an environment that is 150 degrees Fahrenheit. It's actually pretty hot um, to the point where normal proteins and normal DNA will just start to degrade and separate and fall apart in a process known as protein or DNA denaturation. So in order to supply, well, in order to supply, in order to survive in a place like this, uh, our little thermos bacteria has to come up with some really, some really unique ways of surviving. Now, this can range from stabilizing their cellular membrane, right, using these little proteins or certain types of lipid to ster- stabilize their cellular membrane. Um, they can also generate these so-called heat-resistant proteins that are just really, really resistant to this denaturation phenomenon. You can even change, we've also, we've heard about all the four different types of uh, bases that we have in nucleotides, A, C, G, and T. Um, different combinations of these are different, are can resist heat differently. And so what 
uh, bacteria like thermos can do is it can change the configuration of its nucleotides in order to evade, not evade, but in order to resist denaturation. Okay, so each of these contribute to help uh, thermoses thermostability, and in doing so, it allows them to survive and thrive in these really inhospitable places, including this hydrothermal vent that is heated by the the hellscape of the earth in the deep bowels of the earth, whatever. And by the by the heat of the earth, that's where it can survive. Okay. Anyway, that's very, very neat. Um, we've identified a unique kind of bacteria that is able to reside in the hot springs of Japan and that has a really neat set of mechanisms by which it can survive at these really, really crazy high temperatures. Now, that's very, very cool, um, but there's a problem for our little bacteria um, because while bacteria are highly adaptable to extreme environments, as we've just seen, there is another little thing that is also adaptable to extremely intense environments. And it is with this that we will have to reintroduce the bacteriophage. Now, you will recall that the bacteriophage, it is a virus, and bacteriophages, they have these weird alien shapes to them. Um, they have this little crystal, so-called protein crystal for a head, and they have these skinny spidery legs that emerge from the protein crystal, and they attach to the membrane of the bacteria before they bore a hole into the membrane of the bacteria, and then go inside the bacteria, or at least they release their DNA or RNA, whatever the case may be, inside the bacteria. And then using that DNA or RNA, they're able to proliferate inside the bacteria. And this proliferation of viruses presses against the cell membrane, and then it just bursts out of the cell membrane, like the alien from alien, out of the walls of bacteria. It's super scary. It's super cool. That's bacteriophages. Now, bacteriophages, as it turns out, they also have the ability to survive, for lack of a better term, um, in really extreme environments. And like the bacteria, it also has a specific set of adaptations that allow it to better survive um, in the harsh environment. So what's this example that, uh, what is the example of this one that's tracking down thermos? So a normal bacteriophage, as I mentioned before, it has this series of these spidery legs, right? Um, the spidery legs for bacteriophages, they range but in general, the average is probably about mm, 3.5 to 4 times the length of the crystal head, um, which, for lack of a better term, is the brain. Okay, So to give you a size, size comparison, imagine right now that your legs and arms, they're flailing about, but they're about four times as long as your normal body length. Okay, I'm imagining it right now. It's very unsettling. Um, but maybe you enjoy more. Maybe you really like this. Maybe you want to look like uh, Dr. Octopus of the Spider-Mans and whatever. Um, so that's a normal bacteriophage length. What about this bacteriophage that tracks down the thermos bacteria? So this bacteriophage also goes by the name the Rapunzel bacteriophage, has these spidery legs that are much, they're much, much longer than, than three and a half times the length of crystal head. They get up to be 10 times longer than that of most other bacteriophages, almost to the point where it's visible to the naked eye. <laughs> so again, let's follow this analogy. Imagine that your legs and arms are now 40 times as long as your body length and that those legs and arms are snuffling around and, and grabbing hold of cell membranes and pulling them closer to you. Uh, it's, it's the stuff of nightmares, um, or at least it certainly is for our bacteria that live in these hot environments. Um, but what's really cool is if you look at the bacteriophage and you zoom in a little bit more, on the bacteriophage legs, the bacteriophage legs are actually segmented. So in, instead of just being one really big piece, 
um, and this goes for all bacteriophages, instead of being just made of one really big piece that can't change its length or structure, the legs on bacteriophages, they're made up of a bunch of really small segmented pieces. So these pieces are really, really tiny hollow rings. And so they stack on top of each other and click together to make these extra long appendages. Ultimately, ultimately they make this little hollow tube, right? Uh, essentially with little grappling hooks at the end to connect to the bacterial cell wall and do all the stuff that we mentioned earlier. Now this allows, this allows for some variability in length. Um, and it also means that it could be more susceptible to increased temperatures, okay, since it's so segmented. So what the Rapunzel virus does is it decreases the amount of pieces that it uses by utilizing these really, really large, sturdy pieces. So a second ago, I just said that the bacteriophage has little rings that are small and they click together. So you have to use a whole bunch of really small slices in order to make up, um, to make up the bacteriophage leg. The Rapunzel virus uses a much larger and more stable piece, so you don't have to use as many pieces in order to get a really long bacteriophage leg. Okay, so this means, at the end of the day, this means that the Rapunzel virus, its legs, not only are they more resistant to fluctuations in heat, but they can all, that also allows them to grow to be much, much longer than those normal legs that we saw before. Okay, so if you're ever worried about something in life, just imagine a bacteriophage swimming up to you with legs that are 40 times longer than the lengths of its body as it tries to break into you and then lice you out. So things can always get worse. Um, have fun sleeping tonight. But that is it for today. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me again. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I'll see you next Tuesday. I'm Dr. K. Bye.